Dolan and the Gypsies, with the help of Talinga, survived an attack on the magical planet by the Zircos. Jimbird Flyflower is wounded, and his spaceship seems damaged beyond repair. But Crispin Lob Mincing hopes he has enough spare parts in the stores of his own spaceship to make good the damage. Helped by Billy the telephone freak Perkins, he discovers that he has not. It was quite dark when Dolan, Ivan, Bratto, Flipper Pilkington and Father Out got back from their swim. Jimbird was fast asleep in the arms of Tillinga. I think it's about time you all had a rest too, said Tillinga. But what about the spaceship? It's all burned up, said Dolan. Think not of today, for the evils of the day are enough thereof. Or something like that, as one of your prophets said. In other words, don't worry, said Dolan. In other words, exactly that, said Tillinga. Now, go to sleep. And that's exactly what they did. Don't worry, Pharaoh Esther, said the spy. Everything will turn out for the best. I ain't worrying. I just want to get them rockets back, said Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets. Retired, close brackets. All things will come in time, said the spy. Sleep now, take a rest. Major General Festerby Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets, was inclined to agree. He was very tired indeed. Sitting back into his deep leather chair, he closed his eyes and tried to relax. Eventually he slipped off into a fitful doze while the spy sat quietly and watched him. Suddenly, there was a loud bleeping noise from the IMT monitor. Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, open brackets, retired, close brackets, shot from his chair and leapt to the monitor screen. What's happened? What's happened? He bawled. Suddenly, there's two dots back again. How in tarnation did the other one get back there? Well, this is how it got back there. After a delicious breakfast of multicoloured fruit, which tasted of every lovely flavour you can imagine, Crispin Lob Mincing approached Jimbird Flyflower. I'm afraid, mate, he said, that I haven't got enough spares to get your spaceship back in running order. Not enough spares, said Jimbird. That's right, mate. I've got plenty of wire. Fuses, diodes and what not. But the real kit, like the instant matter transporter, well, the rockets just don't carry that kind of spare. It'd mean keeping a whole spaceship in the stores and there just isn't the space, mate. At this point, Tillinga spoke up. Wait one moment, she said. There was a pause. That harmonious humming noise again and Tillinga became the logical cube once more. What do you desire? said the cube. Or we'd like my spaceship uh, restored to its former condition, if you don't mind. There was a loud ping, and turning his head, Jimbird saw that his rocket was indeed 
as it had been before the Zerkos had set fire to it. Upright, if, if you don't mind, he continued. Another ping, and the spaceship slowly but surely raised itself from the ground, refolded itself into its proper shape, and assumed an upright position. Not bad for a little black block. Not bad at all, said Jimbird Flyflower. Hmm, said Talinga, resuming her natural shape. If you think that's good, watch this. And with a wave of her hand, she produced, out of nowhere, a shining silver disc, about twenty feet across, which looked rather like two saucers put face to face. Blimey, said Ivan. It's a flying saucer, isn't it? That, in a manner of speaking, is exactly what it is, said Talinga. Climb aboard, and I'll show you my planets. So the crews of the two spaceships, and I'll tell you their names again in case you've forgotten them, Dolan, Jimbird, Crispin Lob Mincing, Ivan, Billy the Telephone Freak Perkins, Flipper Pilkington, Bratto the Wonder Boy, and Father Out, all clambered uncertainly onto the saucer, which was hovering about three feet above the ground. And a strange thing happened. Although the disc looked hard and metallic, as each of them settled down on its surface, that very surface gave way and made a little hollow, just enough for them to sit comfortably. Talinga jumped lightly aboard, and they were off. And what things they saw! The green grassy slopes on which they'd landed gradually gave way to thick, dense jungle. The saucer flew low over the treetops, and they saw brightly coloured birds flitting from tree to tree, chimpanzees happily swinging about in the branches, and wicked-looking snakes slithering about. That was my jungle, said Tillinga simply. And now you will see my savannah. And sure enough, the saucer took them over lush green tropical grasslands, where herds of elephants, giraffes and gazelles roam free. Just like your Africa, said Tillinga anticipating Dolan's comment. Yes, said Dolan. Except there are no ivory hunters killing the elephants. Of course, said Talinga. I see to it that that kind of thing doesn't happen. They flew over bright, clean blue seas and stopped off on what seemed to be a tropical island. They all took a swim in the clear water. When Dolan dived down to the coral reef, alive with rainbow-coloured fish, the water looked as transparent as green glass. Then Dolan had a thought. Swimming quickly to the beach, Dolan asked Talinga, What about sharks? Are there any? The shark, said Talinga, adopting an air of schoolmistress, is a singularly useless creature. Such a marine numbskull has no place on my planet. Dolan had listened to this open-mouthed but after a moment ran joyfully back to the warm tropical sea, feeling completely safe. All of the gypsies were enjoying their swim. Even old Jimbird was getting happily around in the shallows and managing remarkably well with his one arm and leg. One by one they came ashore onto the blinding white sand, where Talinga sat, watching them, with a happy smile on her face. Anyone for coconuts? she said. A reply was hardly necessary. In a very short time, they were all drinking the milk of the large green nuts. It's just like lemonade, only better, was Ivan's comment. 
Aboard the saucer, they visited just about every corner of the planet. They went to what Donan guessed was the South Pole, which was covered with ice, just like the one on Earth. They laughed at the penguins, shuffling about, like a horde of dinner-jacketed men at a ball. They saw the terrifying polar bears, which can run almost as fast as a horse, and the friendly seals lolloping about by the sea. They flew over a huge sandy desert, which had trees planted all around its edges. I don't mind a desert or two, said Talinga. But they have a nasty habit of spreading, so I planted trees to keep it in its place. As they travelled around the planet, each of the gypsies came to the conclusion that it really was very much like Earth, but without the buildings, the machines and the pollution. It was a very happy journey. Jimbert even had time to pick a beautiful orchid, which he recognised as being similar to what is known on Earth as ladies' tresses. Dolan and the gypsies had a surprise when they got back to the place where the spaceships had landed. They had gone. Talinga was not taken aback in the least. However, cupping her hands about her mouth, she called out much to everyone's mystification. Humbert, bring them back at once. There was a pause in which everyone looked about them in puzzlement. Humbert, cried Talinga again. Come along. I know you've got them. Amazingly, the two spacecraft appeared over the crest of a hill and seemed to be shuffling along on their sides. On closer inspection, however, it could be seen that they were in fact being carried by what seemed to be an army of rather large, comical-looking ants. They were about the size of poodles and had the usual six legs but were coloured pink. Their leader who was obviously that because he wasn't helping to carry the rockets, was marching at their front and looking distinctly disgruntled. Oh, Talinga, they're such nice shiny things, he said. Humbert, I've told you time and time again not to take things that don't belong to you, said Talinga. Oh, but Talinga, we only wanted to borrow them to play with, said Humbert, who was now at Talinga's feet and gazing earnestly into her eyes from the height of her kneecap. We didn't want to keep on forever. Talinga folded her arms and tried to look cross, but it was easy to see that she was trying hard not to laugh. Put them back where you got them from immediately, she said. Sometimes I almost regret having made you. Oh, Ick, I don't know. What fun is there for a bunch of ants if they can't even play with a couple of silly old spaceships? We didn't really like them anyway, did we, fellas? His little friends nodded their agreement. OK, then, fellas, just dump them down over there. You will not just dump them anywhere, said Talinga. You will place them in the exact spot from which you stole them. Stole him? We didn't do nothing of the sort. Enough, said Talinga. And you will place them upright, too. Oh, heck. Come on in, chaps. Thank you, said Talinga. And now, be so good as to make yourself scarce. And the funny little pink ant scuttled off over the hill 
and we're gone. Dolan and the gypsies were preparing to board their spaceships, for it was time to travel on. Thank you for showing us your lovely planet, said Dolan. I do wish the rest of the universe could be so perfect. Tillinga smiled. You will find many more wonders on your journeys, and do not worry if they are not as perfect as you might have wished. Perfection appeals only to the naive, and can be a little boring. I alleviate that by having creatures like Humbert and his little pink friends about the place. But, said Dolan, don't you ever get lonely? Running a planet is a full-time job, and all the animals keep me company. No, I don't get lonely. I was made to protect this world, and that is what I do. Each of the gypsies said their goodbyes to Tillinga. Jimbird Flyflower was the last. He took her hand. Take care of yourself, and you a beautiful planet, my dear. And if he ever gets trouble from them Zuricos again, you just give us a call. Thank you, Jim Bird. But I don't think they'll be bothering me again. Ah, well, said Jim Bird Flyflower. Love and luck in all you do. And he turned quickly and climbed into his spaceship, slamming the door behind him. Dolan thought there was a tear in Jim Bird's one eye. Let's go, said Jim Bird harshly. Tillinga shaded her eyes against the sunlight as she watched the two silver spacecraft climb into the clear blue sky, grow smaller and smaller, and finally disappear from view. She looked down at her hand. In it was Jimbird Flyflower's orchid, known on Earth as Ladies' Tresses. (laughs) 